Welcome to The Light for the Journey, a podcast of Russell Memorial Methodist Church. Each week, we will open the scriptures in faith that the timeless truth of God will guide us as we seek to follow in the steps of Jesus. Nothing will be impossible with God, not even a barren woman who is past childbearing years, nor a young betrothed girl who has yet to have sexual relations with a man. What will stand in the way of God's love? Christmas rejoices in a God who will stop at nothing to bring you into His family. As we go into our message today, let's open our hearts and minds to the truth that God would speak to us. There are several things that all of us have in common, even in common with God. One of those is that we have desires. Yes, I don't need to ask how many of you have, have or do have desires. We all do, and we all have. And desire can be a very powerful thing. Desire in itself is not moral or immoral. That depends on the object of your desire. Uh, Hopefully, God is turning us so that our desires become only toward Him and the things of God. But if that's not always the case, you're in good company because if you read the Bible from front to back, you will find countless examples of people who struggled with desires that were not necessarily of God. And usually that didn't lead to good things. But desire is something that God has also. And it's something that is manifest within the text that we read today. And I'd like for us to just reflect a little bit upon the power of God's desire to redeem his people, to save folks just like you and me. Our text begins with an announcement to an angel, from an angel, I should say, excuse me. Well, actually, it probably began with an announcement to an angel. God says to Gabriel, I want you to go to a a, a town. Several years ago when I was serving a previous congregation, we did a Christmas play and they actually wrote this into the script of Gabriel getting the announcement. It's time for you to go down to earth. We're going to announce the coming of the Messiah. And even at that announcement, Gabriel already has programmed into his angelic GPS Jerusalem. Right? Where else would you go? And God says, you're going to Nazareth. And Gabriel says, Nazareth? Why am I going there? Why would I be going there? We read the text and we just don't even blink. We read it and go on. Okay, the angel went to Nazareth, so what? But I think it's worth pausing and asking ourselves the question, why Nazareth? And there are several answers we could offer to that, all of which would be correct in its own way. Uh, For instance, we could say, well, because that's what the prophecy said, and so that's the way it had to be. Yes, that would be true. Or, well, that's where Mary was, and since Mary was the one God was using, that's obviously where the angel had to go. That would be correct also. But I think for today, the best answer for us uh, to reflect on is because there was something about Nazareth that fits so well into God's plan. And that is that that was a town that would not have been expected to play a role in God's 
redeeming act. If you look in John chapter 1, you'll find a narrative in which there's this guy whose name is Nathaniel. When, when he was told about the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he said, you know, we found this guy, uh, we believe he's the one who, who we've been expecting, anticipating, Jesus of Nazareth, and Nathaniel says, Nazareth? Does anything good come from Nazareth? And all he was doing was just expressing what everybody would have thought. There's Nazareth, this little out-of-the-way podunk. I mean, is that a Texas term? I mean, that's what we say in West Virginia. You know, this nothing, you wouldn't expect anything to be coming out of Nazareth. But that's where God shows up. And if I could borrow some beautiful words of a song, it is because God's plan is to raise the lowly. Now, Mary even speaks to that a little bit further in the text we read today. In uh, uh, verses 52 and 53, she goes on, as she's reflecting on God's goodness, she says, God has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has exalted those who were humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. This is just kind of the way God does things. We... In our society, we expect that it is the privileged who get the privileges, right? Those who are privileged get the privileges. But when God is working in his paradigm of grace, he turns that around. And he says, no, it's those who would be considered undeserving. Those are the ones to whom I give my privileges. And that's how God is acting when this whole narrative starts. He goes to a little out-of-the-way place to a young woman, not even married yet, anticipating that she's going to just live a regular, uh, unassuming, not noteworthy life. And God shows up and says through the angel, you are favored by God. The contours of the rest of this text have... Much in, uh, much in similar, similarity to our own conversion stories, the way that God's saving acts come to us. And rather than trying to uh, go through and just unpack in an expository fashion this text, I want us to just note some of these things. The angel comes to Mary... Verse 28, it says, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary's response is, What? That's, that's important, okay? She, I don't, what am I supposed to make of that? He goes on and says in verse uh, 30, the angel says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And, and the thing I want us to notice here is that Mary wasn't expecting it. Okay? Sometimes I think it's helpful if we take the text of the Bible and imagine how it could have otherwise been worded, how the conversation could have went in another direction. For instance, what didn't happen was for Gabriel to show up and say, uh, greetings, favored one. And Mary said, oh, Gabriel, I've been expecting you. 
I know I've been living such a good life, and certainly God would want to use me in his divine acts. So, so I've just been waiting patiently for you to show up. So tell me, what's the plan? That's not Mary's response. She's, she's caught off guard. She said, why are you coming to me? Why are you greeting me as the favored one of God? And the fact that she's not expecting it is what we need to appreciate. And that's where it becomes very personal because to every one of us, God's grace comes to us in a way that should not be expected. When we truly understand <laughs> that we, because of our sin, have fallen short of God, the fact that the Holy Spirit would move within us, the fact that the Lord will, would extend a hand and say, you are favored of God, should really catch us off guard. But that's exactly what happens. God says to you and to me, you are favored of God. Why am I favored of God? Because God is extending his saving act to work in and through you. And it's not because you deserved it, and it's not because you asked for it, but it's because he chose it. And because he chose it, he's giving it. And it starts with that showing up in our lives. It becomes real personal. And then God goes, uh, Gabriel goes on and describes what is going to happen with this child in verse 32. It begins, uh, the angel says he's going to be great, he's going to be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him a throne the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Glory to God. Does that not sound awesome? I mean, God in this child is going to establish forever the promised kingdom. And the neat thing about the kingdom is that it's not one king with a whole bunch of humble, oppressed servants. In this kingdom, it is a collection of children who share in the heirship of that throne. And that's pretty neat. You know something that almost never misses with young children? Put a crown on their head. Let them believe for a moment that they are a, a king or a queen, a prince, or a princess. Have you ever been to medieval times? Okay. I mean, it's great. You go in there before you go into the arena, and the, and the queen's sitting up there, and she's knighting children, and they're just loving it. You know, they put the garb on them, the crown, you know, on, on the head. And why wouldn't we love that? You know, it's nice to see ourselves as more than just common, like royalty. And here's what the gospel says about us. Peter, no less, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, says of Jews and Gentiles who are in Christ, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession. It's not pretend. It's truth. That in Christ, you are royalty. Any of y'all seen the, the movie, The Princess Diaries? That's a favorite around our house. We, we enjoy that. 
Julie Andrews, Anne Hathaway. You know, and the essence of the story is this teenage girl who would not be considered part of the in crowd, you know, a little bit of an outlier, nothing special, finds out that she is royalty. <laughs> and much of the movie is her trying to embrace what that means for her. What? I'm like, I'm special? Okay. In Christ, you and I are royalty. Because God's grace makes it so. We also have life. The angel goes on and says in verse 35, um, Mary's struggling with how is this going to be because she's looking at the practical side and saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not fully married yet. I'm not, you know, things haven't happened so that I would actually be bearing children. So how is this going to happen? And Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, that holy child will be called the Son of God. Because God made it so and the Holy Spirit brought that life that's what makes that child holy. If we needed any evidence that that was so, we could read a little bit further in the text. After this happened, Mary was with child, and I would add early with child because her cousin Elizabeth was already in her sixth month. Okay? We're talking first trimester here. Mary goes to see Elizabeth who is already pregnant with the one we would know as John the Baptist. And do you remember what happens? When, when Elizabeth heard the voice of Mary, John, in the womb, jumped for joy. Okay? Maybe I should let that set in for a moment. One baby in the womb leaped for joy at the sound of the mother's voice who was carrying the Messiah. Don't tell me God's not good. God makes holy. God gives life. And the same is true for every one of us. John, uh, in, in John chapter 3, we're familiar with this conversation that Jesus has with a, a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And Jesus kind of gets into the spiritual aspect of this conversation by, by saying to, John, uh, to Nicodemus, uh, unless one is born by water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is thinking, what in, I, I don't know what you're talking about. But the point that Jesus is making is that our spiritual birth is that which truly gives us life. God acts toward us, and His Holy Spirit brings us from death into life. And unless God does that, we're still bound in death. But when God does that, we now live. We now truly have life. And for every one of us who have come to Jesus in that way, surrendered ourselves in, in faith and, and, and repentance to Him, received the Holy Spirit, we are brought to life, and in that life we are called holy, set apart, children of God. Again, God's gift to us.
to Mary, this sounds impossible. How could this be? And Gabriel says, well, I'll paraphrase a little bit. I mean, you can read this in verse uh, 36. If you want evidence, go visit your cousin Elizabeth. Okay, you got to back up because we already visited this a minute ago, but uh, go visit Elizabeth. Now, play with me here for a moment, okay? Let's, let's say that Gabriel just inquired about Mary's cousin Elizabeth without giving her any further ex- explanation. Mary's response would be, oh, yes, Elizabeth, yes, sweet woman. Isn't it a shame that she's grown past her childbearing years without having the opportunity to give birth? Well, guess what? And, and you see, this is, this, is what, this is what we mean in, when we read in verse 37. Gabriel says, because nothing will be impossible for God. Some of your Bible translations may vary a little bit on that, but that's, that's all really what it's about. Is that no word that the Lord speaks is going to return without doing what it says it's going to do. If God says it, it's not impossible. And if you need evidence, go see Elizabeth because the one that you thought was past her childbearing years, guess what? God showed up and did something quite remarkable. I've talked with people who have said to me, I just, it, it's, it's incredible to think because of who I am, what I've done, that God could save me. Well, you know what? I've heard a number of powerful conversion stories of lives that have been picked up out of bad places and turned around by God's grace. And I just think it would be an interesting uh, practice for us, for the people of God, if from time to time we would have personal conversations with each other, and ask ourselves these questions. The the question, what is it about God's saving act in your life that you particularly find powerful or amazing? Tell me your story. Tell me what it is about how God changed you that you find incredible. And I think we might find a lot of encouragement just to know the, the many powerful ways God has showed up in our lives to turn ourselves around. It's amazing. And you know why this happens? It's because the power of God's redemptive desire is greater than we can comprehend. And it will stop at nothing to bring God's children home. How great is God's love for you this morning? How great is it? How far is the east from the west? How far is it across a universe that's measured in light years? How far is it from one 
outstretched, pierced hand of Jesus to the other. That's how great he loves you. That's the power of his redeeming love. And he offers it to you and me today. We're glad that you chose to spend this time with us in God's Word. You can watch our worship services online at www.rmmcwp.net. May the Lord grant you the light of His truth as you journey through this day.